0: Hey, everybody got their Bibles on their iPhone, iPad, tablet, whatever. Everybody ready for this? I'm not. Put them down for a second. (laughs) So when we were going through this yesterday, um, I actually started out saying I have, I can do, and I wanted to make it I am instead of be, because I can be is future, and I want to be now. Tonight's message is going to be on the words that we speak, and as we do this Bible declaration tonight, I want you to think of what we can have. We have eternal life. We have a relationship with God. What we can do, we can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I am, I am Because God is no respecter of persons, I am God's favorite child. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get our Bibles up. And we're going to do I am instead of I be. Okay. So this is my Bible. I can have what the Word of God says I can have. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. And I am what the Word of God says I am. Okay, so, when I was growing up, back in Wisconsin, great place to grow up, uh, some of the things we used to say to each other, one of them was, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Mm, Good statement, bad statement. Bad, yeah. Another one I remember is, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Good statement, because the other one, words can hurt. So, If you'll turn with me tonight to Genesis chapter 1, we'll start in verse 26, but as we all get there, I'd like to point out that in verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, and 24, it says, God said, God said, let there be light, God said, let there be sun and moon, let there be animals, God said, and for years, I, you know, it said God made us in his own image, and I never, it never clicked with me because you know, I look at my skin and my hair and, and I see some of the descriptions of God in the book of Revelation and other places, and it's like, huh. And then one day it hit me. I was created in the image of God spiritually. So I have the same spirit God has, which makes me a speaking spirit. So the words I speak also have power. And the words I speak can hurt me, or they can harm me. And so in Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we are in God's image, spiritually. This flesh and blood is just, it's like a seed pod. And one of, the, one of these days we're going to grow out of it and we're going to get to go to heaven and be with our Heavenly Father. It's going to be really cool. So we need to watch what we say. It says in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21, or, a man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequences of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it, will eat its fruit, and bear the consequences of his words. So I've been thinking about my words in three different ways. One, they're snowballs. You can make a snowball when the snow is wet, and you stick it in the ground, and you start rolling it across, and it starts getting bigger and bigger. And you make a couple passes through the yard, all of a sudden you got a snowball this high, that's a great base for a snowman. That's what happens to our words when we send them out, that they grow. And another thing I've been thinking about is they're like bullets. I mean, you, you take your pistol or your rifle and you shoot it, you're never getting that bullet back. It's the same with words. When we speak a word and we speak a bad word, we don't get it back. And our words are also seeds. So we can say words of blessing and they go out and they grow and come back and help us be blessed. Or we can curse people and be destructive. You know, what, do we, what do we say to people sometimes? You know, like, one of my favorite examples is you know, I'm driving to work in the morning, and there's nobody in back of me. And the car pulls out in front of me. Like, they're in a really big hurry, and then they drive five miles under the speed limit. And they get to go through the stop and go light, and I got to sit there and wait. And it's like, God bless them. I love them. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I sometimes fail on that one still. <laughs> so, but what are we saying over our lives? Um, you know, our jobs, I hear it all the time at work. You know, um, I'm down at the paper mill, I do boil the water for a living. And, you know, people are like, man, the way they're running this place, it's not going to stay open for another year. You now, really, guys? Mm-hmm, you know finances. I, I always have more month than I have money Mm-hmm. What what are we saying over our family, you know? Come on Nick, you're not gonna go anywhere if you keep acting like that Mm-hmm So what about our health? This is another great one. How come our knees our feet and our back are always killing us? You know I mean do we, re- do we really want to bring on death early? You know? And instead, like I think Pastor Greg touched on a couple weeks ago, the fact is my knee hurts. But the truth is that by the stripes of Jesus, my knee is healed. And, you know, we should think of that all the time. You know, jobs. You know, is it going to be, I'm never going to get this promotion because. Jim over here is a hundred times smarter than I am? Or is it going to be, I'm well able to get this promotion, and I can do it because God has my back? You know, we we need to speak good stuff in our lives, because what we speak is coming back at us. So... um Luke 6, verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. So what is in our heart? What are we listening to? What's going in our eyes? What's going in our ears? What are we paying attention to? Um, You know, for a while, while I was operating, I was listening to a lot of music, and a lot of it wasn't real good. Um, yeah, you know, I'd listen to blues, some of the blues songs i listen to. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any at all. mm mm-hmm. uh, One scotch, one bourbon, one beer. hmm Country. Uh, this, this is actually a verse out of a song. It says, well, I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison. And I went to pick her up in the rain, but before I could get to the station in my pickup truck, she got run over by a damned old train. It you know, it's it's funny, but, you know, that stuff goes through our head, and, you know, I, I can be in an elevator sometimes, you know, I got the elevator music, and I hadn't heard the song in years, and all of a sudden the tune is on, and it's like, la, 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 yeah, I, I still know the words. They're still there. They're still planted in my brain. And true story from my childhood. So we were on our way to church. I was middle school, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in there, and Driving on the highway, we got the AM radio cranked, all 50 watts of power. (laughs) Listening to the Milwaukee radio station, listening to none other than ACDC's, I'm on a highway to hell. Does anybody see a problem (laughs) with this situation? I mean, we're, we're driving to church, and we're listening to this music, and it's like, and I, I never thought about it until years later, and it's like, uh, yeah, oh, my. <laughs> and, you know, how about movies and TV? Um, when I was in the Navy, I was on submarines, and we watched a lot of movies, great pastime. And we had a rating system. We had three socially redeeming values of a movie. And unfortunately, they were nudity, cussing, and automatic gunfire. Automatic gunfire is still okay once in a while. But, uh, you know, and over the last year, it's all gone away. Um, I watch a lot of sermons now, and I watch Pure flicks, And it's even hard to find some good movies on Pure Flix once in a while. Uh, they're they're kind of, mm, once in a while. But the movies I was watching, the TV programs, they're so... You know, anti-Christian, anti-family, you know, what, you know, the messages we're getting from them, they go in our brain. And if we watch enough of them, I'm down into our heart, and all of a sudden we're having a conversation with somebody at work and we're sounding just like, you know, whatever program we're watching. Yeah. How about the news? How much news are we watching? How much corona are we talking about? You know, I'm done with corona. Uh, I was done with it a long time ago. But, you know, it's it's the main topic of conversation. I can even, you know, I sat in the foyer a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, half the conversation was on corona. yeah, you know? And it's like, how would follow our conversation is about the goodness of God and how he's blessed us in the last few weeks. Uh-huh. By the way, congratulations, Michael and Jordan. It's great. <laughs> so, you know, we really need to be careful what we're putting in, because it's going to go down, and it's going to come back out, and I do not want to, I don't want to sound like the world anymore, you know, when I get in a tight situation, I want, you know, flat tire, you know, you can be like, oh, this darn car piece of junk always breaks down, now I got to change this flat, or you can be like, praise God, I'm on a flat surface, it's not raining, and I'm well off the to the side, so nobody's going to run into me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we really need to be careful about what we're thinking, what we're saying. Um, let's see, where are we? So Matthew 12, verse 36 says, But I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to give an accounting for every careless and useless word they speak. All our words are recorded in heaven. Yeah. Just, uh, just my old traffic habits are enough to make me want to go hide behind a tree. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty bad, you know. Complaining never does us any good. So uh, let's talk about Job for a little bit in the Old Testament. Uh, it starts out in the book of Job. That, you know, it gives an accounting of all he had. He had a whole bunch of camels and oxen and donkeys, and he had seven sons and three daughters. And Job was blessed. And for years, I never understood why God allowed Satan to attack him and, you know, take everything he had. You know, by the second or third chapter, Job had sores all over him, and he was, you know, I imagine it looked pretty disgusting, and everything he had, including his kids, were gone. And, you know, it's very subtle on what happened. But it says in Job 1, verse 5, it says, when these celebrations ended, they're talking about Job's kids would party frequently at each other's houses. So when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days... Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings for each of them. For Job said to himself, Job is mumbling and grumbling. Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So his mumbling and grumbling opened up, you know, a crack in the foundation, a breach in the hedge. However you want to say it, for God to be for Satan to be able to go in front of God and say, hey, Job, you know, I'm going to go get him. And Job paid for it. You know, fortunately, at the end of Job, Job repents, and God gives him twice as much as what he had in the beginning of the book. So even when we make mistakes, even when we speak wrong, you know, we can repent and yeah, God will come back and bless us even more. So uh, Proverbs ten verse nineteen, where there are many words, transgressions, and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. Mm-hmm. Though a lot of times now at work, instead of joining the argument. I just sit back and operate my boilers and, you know, st- stay out of the fray. Um, I'm getting better at it. I, you know, I'm not perfect at this at all, but we really need, well, once again, to watch what frays we're entering into because a lot of them are meaningless. And a lot of them, I know for me at work, sometimes we just tear people down. You know because they're not doing a good enough job or they're new and they haven't had the experience to You know to get good at their job yet, and we're like "Ah, And they cause us work and but these are children of God that we're tearing apart and I don't want to do it anymore. I, I, I really don't and you know even how we talk about our politicians our country seattle um so like for a long time, I was speaking really bad about Seattle um, We'll just leave it at that and uh my sister in law Shannon took us up to see Sean foyt last summer, some park in Seattle, and uh You know, I I realize instead of speaking bad over Seattle, you know, calling it a, it's like, Seattle's an awesome place. It's going to be blessed. Once again, it's going to be the Emerald City. It's going to be a shining place on fire for God. Not, and it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. (laughs) So James chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, says, If we set bits in a horse's mouth and make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at ships. Though they are so great and driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it can boast great things. See how much wood or how great a tiny spark can set ablaze. The one that really got me here was uh, the ship's rudder. Um, If you think about it, you can be out on the ocean, and the wind can be blowing this way, the current can be going that way, and the waves can be pushing you this way. And you know, that's like our bodies. Um, You know, we're we're getting tugged and pulled by finances, people, family, jobs. You know, and the tongue. You know, it it can steer us on a right path. Um, You know, in today's terms, it's probably like our steering wheel. And we need to guard it. We need to watch it all the time. And, you know, once again, a tiny spark from our tongue can cause us or other people a whole lot of problems. And it can get ugly, and it can get ugly fast. And so let's remember. Let's watch our mouth. Okay, so now we get to go to the book of, Num- the book of Numbers. And uh, we're gonna start in Numbers 14, but prior to that, the Israelites had been uh, delivered out of Egypt, and basically they sniveled and whined their way all the way up to the Promised Land. You know, it's just one complaint, one snivel after another, no food, no water, know we're gonna die because the Egyptians are chasing us and after seeing all the miracles in Egypt it's like what were they thinking however in retrospect if I was an Israeli back then I probably would have been sniveling whining and complaining also but thank God we have you know these stories where we can learn so the Israelites are on the border of the Promised Land, they send out 12 spies. Um, 10 of them come back with a bad report, and they're like, you know, we spied out the land, and it is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's green and lush. But there's giants in the land, and they have walled cities, and they're numerous. There's no way we can ever dispossess them from the land. We're going to end up all dead and our children are going to be their slaves. Not only that, but they got a Sherman tank. We cannot do it. No way. Uh Uh-uh. We cannot make it in. And Joshua and Caleb are like, hey, man, let's go. We are well able to take this land. We can do it. We should go right now. Ten against two. (sighs) What happened? Once again, the Israelites snivel and whine and complain. So it says here in Numbers 14, 1 through 4, it says, Then the whole community began weeping out loud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let us choose a new leader and go back like Egypt was a resort town. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go on. Moses and Aaron run to the tent of meeting and fall on their faces and plead before God that he would not wipe out the Israelites and start over. And the Lord says, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live, as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the mere miraculous signs I have performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. And it goes on to say in Numbers 14, verse 28, it says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just what you have spoken in my hearing, I will most certainly do to you. So, God is listening. And it's also important to uh, see here that Caleb and Joshua, they spoke good words. So, even if I'm speaking good words, the people I'm keeping company with can delay me taking My possession, gaining my harvest, getting my promotion. And just, I mean, Joshua and Caleb, they had to wander around the desert for 40 years. It's a lot of days. And watch all the Israelites die. How many nights were they around the campfire just encouraging each other? Hey, man, Joshua, I can't wait to get in. I remember that valley we walked through. That's going to be mine. Had that stream, and there were fish in it. And oh, it was so lush. And there was that that orchard up on the terrace, and the and the vineyard over here. And it's like, yeah. And okay, Caleb's like, that mountain I saw, man, it was cool. Yeah, you know, got this valley to look at, and I'll be able to watch the sunrise over here and the sunset over here, and I can even see the Mediterranean Sea. It's like, yeah. So for 40 years, they were camping in the desert, sitting around the fire, encouraging each other, eating manna s'mores, and drinking an izzy once in a while. (laughs) Uh, And so that's what Joshua and Caleb went through. So another, uh, we'll go to Numbers 20, verses 10 through 12. And this is where, once again, the Israelites, they'd been wandering around the desert for a while. And there's no water. And God's already provided water from a rock for them once before. Speaking of water, excuse me for a second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the people are complaining to Moses and Aaron, we have no water for our flocks, for our children, blah, blah, blah. Why'd you bring us out here? It would have been better to stay in Egypt so we could just die there and work our fingers to the bone and, you know, at least we could eat onions. So, Moses and Aaron, once again, go to the tent of meeting, fall on their faces, plead with the Lord, and the Lord tells Moses to take his staff with him and go speak to the rock, and he'll provide water for him. However, Moses, being frustrated after dealing with the Israelites for 40 years out in the desert, kind of lost it. So it says here in verse, Numbers 20, verse 10, it says, Moses and Aaron told the people to meet together in front of the rock. Then Moses said, you people are always complaining. Now listen to me. I will cause water to flow from this rock. Moses lifted his arm and hit the rock twice. Water began flowing from the rock, and the people and their animals drank water. However, Moses missed it. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, you did not trust me enough to honor me and show the people that I am holy. You did not show the Israelites that the power to make the water came from me. So you will not lead the people into the land that I have given them. So our words that we speak actually have more power than the words God speaks over us, Yeah. You know? God wants us to all get saved and have a relationship with him and go to heaven. If we we refuse to speak those words, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, we're not going to heaven. It's our choice. It is our choice. You know, like I said, I'm I'm still learning in this. I by no means have it perfect, and I still catch myself saying things I shouldn't. But I am trying really hard not to cancel out the word of God in my life because God's promises and what God wants for me are so much better than anything I could ever speak. And so much better than I can imagine. So we can see here that, you know, Moses screwed up, he vented. You people are always complaining, he vented. Kind of like in the cartoons where, you know, the steam comes out of the ears and the face turns ten different colors of red and the hair goes, you know, does a triple flip. That's what happened to Moses. And between his words and his actions, not, you know, striking the rock twice instead of speaking to it, Moses nullified the words and God's will over his life and did not end up taking the Israelites into the Promised Land. So he got to hang out in the desert with the Israelites for 40 years and die before going across the Jordan River. Hmm. However, we have another example. We have Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after he had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights he became hungry yeah no kidding that's what i always thought and one day somebody explained to me that is in there to show that jesus is human yeah i've uh, never made it past like 3 days so i have no idea what 40 days would be like but but i do hear that you know after after a while you don't you don't have hunger pains, and then right around 40 days, it's like something really terrible. I mean, just like, so Jesus, being fully human, you know, was feeling what his stomach was saying. It was like, feed me now. And so Satan comes up to him and says, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus replied, It is written, and forever remains written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So we know that from the uh, story at the wedding at Cana that Jesus was fully capable of turning these rocks into bread. And you know, I kind of look at it as, you know, like Jesus is totally hungry, and it's like, oh, food now. So he's looking at this rock, and it's like sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. some butter Mm -hmm. I know cut the top out throw some clam chowder in there (sighs) yeah but no what did he do he used the word of God it is written and forever remains written man shall not live by bread alone so when we're in tight situations it's always a good idea to use the Word of God 100% of the time. So um, let's talk about our speaking and believing a little bit. Uh, we'll go to chap- Mark 11, chapter, uh, verses 12 through 14. And this is where Jesus curses the fig tree. And it says, On the next day when they had left Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he would find anything on it. But he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, no one will ever eat from you again. And the disciples were listening to what he said. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. He just spoke at it, said, nope, you're going to die. Nobody's ever going to eat your fruit again. Disciples hear it, and they go up to Jerusalem and wander back Bethany for the night and the next day they walk by the fig tree again and it says on the next day this is verses 12 through 14 Nope, oh, excuse me um, we go down to uh, verse 20 in the morning as they were passing by the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered away from the roots up and remembering Peter said to him rabbi look the fig tree you cursed is withered. And Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. Not sometimes, not occasionally, not when the sun is up, not when in, you know, it's a bright, shiny day, when it's raining, when things look dim, when you're fogged in. Have trust in God. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him, in accordance with God's will. So, notice he said, Speak to the mountain, and it will be cast into the sea. The only place that can hide a mountain is in the sea. So, we're to speak at our problems. You know, we can, we, we can look at our bills on the table, and, you know, even though we don't have the, uh, might not have the money to pay them quite yet, we can thank God that they're paid and that he's going to provide. So we need, we need to remember that we dissolve the mountain. We cast it into the sea. We are not mountain climbers in that sense. Climb Mount Rainier, go ahead. Climb Mount Everest, have a good time. But don't climb your personal mountains. Cast them into the sea. So we go on to verse 24 and it says, For this reason I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they will be given to you. So once again, we're praying, we're speaking our words. Really weak spot for me. I'm really good about thinking my prayers. I'm not really good about speaking them. And you know all throughout the Bible, we're told to speak. It's with our words that we praise God. Not, you know So we need to remember to speak our words, speak our declarations, speak blessings over our life, over our kids' life, over our family's life, over our friends' church, speak blessings. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, in the Amplified, they always, you have know, blessed. And one of the parentheses is empowered to prosper. That's what we want for our lives. Another one is happy to be envied. Blessed. And verse 25, I guess it would be, it says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue and let it go so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your transgressions. So a lot of what we're talking about tonight, speaking our words, praying, having faith. If we're not in forgiveness, if we have resentments, if we have anger, if, you know, we're in a grumpy mood it's not working Um, another thing I've learned this year is it all starts with love and it's hard to love sometimes you know I, 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 I really do a bad job sometimes and you know I consistently end up going back to God and it's like father forgive me I did it again I want to do better, give me the grace to do better. Because it, it, it all starts with love. If we can't love people, we're not gonna get them into the kingdom. If we, if we can't love our neighbor, no matter who they are, you know, whether you agree with them or not, we ought to be able to, you know, help them with their heavy lifting. We ought to be able to have a cup of coffee with them. We should be able to go, to their, go over to their house and watch the Seahawk game with them and not let our differences get in the way Of being friends and loving on them, it it just should not happen. it doesn't matter. You gotta love at all times, and I'm trying. (sighs) Where are we? Okay, so. We will go to John 8, verses 3 through 11. And this is the, uh, the person, the lady, who was caught in adultery. And basically what happened was this woman was caught in adultery. And first of all, the Old Testament says both the woman and the man are supposed to be brought in to be judged. And then they were supposed to get stoned if they were guilty. They didn't bring the man. They just brought the woman. The Pharisees were testing Jesus. And they were trying to trap him in what he was saying. So it says, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees bought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. And we haven't had a good stoning in a couple months, so let's go. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote something in the dust. He's just like, he's kind of ignoring him for the moment. We don't know what he was writing in the dust. You know, it could have just been like a mountain in the sunshine, or he could have been playing tic-tac-toe with, each, with himself. We do not know. But the Pharisees continued to press him. Should we stone her? Should we stone her? And Jesus was quiet for a little while, and then he got up, and he said, He who is without sin cast the first stone. So I, I really believe what Jesus was doing there, writing in the dirt, was he's waiting for a word from his Heavenly Father on how to handle this situation. And he just, he waited until he got that word, and he stood up. And we need to do that, because sometimes there's situations, there's arguments that we could get into. Somebody asks us a question, and instead of just spouting off our favorite Bible verse real quick, or, you know, God is good all the time, as your answer, we need to sometimes just stay quiet and listen, and let God give us a word. I don't know, probably in the past you know there's been times where I've just given the God is good all the time, he loves you and they may have needed more than that They, they might have needed a specific word that God wanted to use in me and I just went and I was done off the other way and you know, so we need to listen listen to what God wants us to tell people sometimes Wait for the word sometimes. So, Jesus says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. He stoops down again in the dirt, starts writing. And one by one, all the Pharisees and the teachers walk away. And finally, Jesus looks at the, at the woman and he goes, Where is everyone who has condemned you? Or is there no one left to condemn you? And she says, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So, once again, don't speak on the subject until you hear from God. Save yourself some trouble. Yep. So, uh, we're going to go to Acts now. And uh, we're going to chapter 16. And what had happened here, um, Paul and Silas were in Philippi. And they were ministering. They were, you know, winning souls. And they'd been there for quite a while. And all of a sudden, well, for quite a few days, a slave girl had been following them around. And she was demon-possessed. And she was like, these men are the servants of the Most High God. And, you know, it was, it was, the Bible says it was a daily thing. And so finally Paul got annoyed with her, and cast the spirit out of her. And the people who owned her saw that they couldn't make money with her anymore, got mad. And they rioted. And Paul and Silas got thrown in jail. And before they were stuck in the dungeon, they were beaten. Their backs were bloody. I imagine their faces were bruised. And then they're stuck in the worst part of the dungeon. And the amplified actually said their feet were in stocks and they were put in an uncomfortable position. So Paul and Silas could be like, "Hey, Sy, si, you awake over there?" "Yeah, Paul." He's like, "Hey, man, I'm really sorry I got you into this. I just I should have left that girl alone. Man, we're down here. It stinks. You know, our backs are bloody." And Silas is kind of like, "Yeah, I know." Oh. Now, I don't think we're getting out of here. You know, if they don't take our heads off in the morning, our backs are going to be infected and we'll be dead within a week. Paul's like, Yeah, well, fist bump. Well, oh, chains are too short. I can't get your fist. Silas <laughs> so is like, Yeah, well, I'll see you on the other side. Oh, hey, Paul, by the way, there's a rat nibbling on your tail. But no, that's not what happened. It says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. So it's kind of like, Lord, we thank you for the harvest we've been having in Philippi. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you you uh, freed that slave girl. And we thank you that one way or another, you're going to get us out of this jail. And Paul's like, hey, Si, lead us in a song. So Si's like... Whose report will you believe? Paul. We will believe the report of the Lord. (laughs) Whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am filled. His report says I am healed. His report says I am free. His report says victory. And (laughs) The foundations of the jail were shaken. The socks come open. The chains come off. The doors to so all the cells pop open, and they're free. So Paul gets up, and Silas gets up, and it's like, oh, and they do a little stretch, and it's like, chest bump. And they're like, man, our God is so cruel. We get into these situations, and it looks pretty bad, and every time he delivers us, And every time, he delivers us in a different, awesome way. And so, once again, their words were the right thing at the right time. Excuse me for a second. So I chose orange soda because this is actually vanilla cream. I like it. Only reason. So this empty glass is us. And we get born again. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. We have a little bit of the word in us. And we have a whole lot of the world. And we are leaky vessels. So if we don't, Stay in the word. Stay with worship, praise music. Stay with movies, TV that have strong Christian values. Listen to music, watch sermons. If we don't do that, that much of the world stays in us. And if that much of the world is staying in us, what are we going to speak? So we need to pray. We need to listen to awesome music. We need to watch awesome movies. And me personally, I've been doing two to three sermons a day. Um, our church website is full of them. You can go to YouTube and probably find 100 million sermons. So get out and watch all of them because we, we need to keep filling ourselves. Because we are leaky vessels. Not only that, but the world pulls at us. And we use the word. Sometimes we forget what we learned. So we need to remember to write things down. And we also need to keep listening, keep filling, keep doing. Because. Well, that's what, a third full? We want to be more more than a third full. We want to not almost be full, but we want to be full. I won't make a mess because I don't want to clean it up. But we need to be filled. So in every situation, we know what we want to say or we know how to wait for God to say what God wants us to say. But we need to guard our mouths 100% of the time. Think about what we're saying. Let it spring up from our full heart, full of God, full of the word of God. And just, you know, be awesome and get this, you know. Like I said last night, I want to participate in what's going to be one of the, Biggest, grandest world events ever, which is the Rapture. And you know, this is part of it. We need to be filled. We need to be excited. We need to be energized. So, we're gonna do one last story. Um, this is a personal story. Uh, I was still in the Navy back in nineteen ninety-two. It was August. Uh, shore duty, and there was nothing going on at the sub base, so they sent me home. And my basic mindset back then was, like, I didn't understand life. Um, One of the thoughts I was having was I should take my motorcycle for a really fast ride around some really windy roads and maybe I'll miss a turn and eat a tree. That's where I was. So I got home that day and I sat in my recliner and I started flipping through the channels and the 700 Club came on. And they always did the news segment first. So I was watching the news segment because they always looked at things from a different perspective. And after the news, they had some person's testimony on and I'd watched some of the testimonies before and I knew that I knew that I knew that before the testimony was over, I need to turn off the TV because they were gonna ask me to become a Christian and I didn't want that. I was doing good. I didn't need God. I didn't want God. However, the testimony got over. I picked up the remote, and the co-host that day was Sheila Walsh. And just as I'm picking up the remote, she goes, don't turn off that TV. (laughs) And to this day, I do not know if my fingers didn't work or the remote didn't work. But the TV did not go off. And I ended up praying the prayer of salvation. And That's how I got saved. And, you know, we have a whole internet audience tonight, and we have a whole sanctuary full of people. And that opportunity, for those of us who don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, is there today. And, you know, so right now, everybody with eyes closed, heads bowed, You know, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if life's not making sense to you, if, you know, this whole world seems crazy and out of control and you're just like at the end of your rope just hanging on, you know, just by a thread. And, you know, if that's you, you know, raise your hand and, you know, say this prayer with me. Let's say, Jesus... I come to you tonight and I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I thank you that you hung on the cross for me to forgive me my sins. And I thank you I have relationship with you now. I believe. I believe you hung on the cross to die for me for my sins. And I confess that you are now my Lord and that you are my Savior. I just thank you that I am now a child of God and in the kingdom. And Lord, I just give you praise and glory. Amen.